Motown Rundown, welcome back. It is Monday, October 18th. Bit of a late one for us. We apologize, but we are here dedicated to bringing you the finest Detroit sports content. Come well, at the same time. Yeah, it'll be 6 a.m. Right. for them. Damn, that's right. Boy, are my cheeks. You red. idiot. That was so dumb. Boy, are my <laughs> cheeks, Red. That was dumb. It Apologies. Was. But here we are, guys. How was everyone's weekend? Very good. good. It was very good. Lots of fun. Was it Trent? Was it really? It was lots of fun. I will say, I will say the Lions tailgate was a lot of fun. It was an all-timer, which is good because I needed that. I needed the tailgate to be fun because obviously the game was Trent. Like, not by even the way, fun. Trent, did you actually not know what who day meant before? <laughs> no, no, I knew what it meant, but who I'm day. saying, what the hell who is day. that? Like that's the dumbest thing ever. It's like a it's a Walmart version of who dat. Right. And I think the yeah, I think who day was before that. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, I think apologies. the Bengals the Bengals were first, but the Saints just made it cooler. And the like, uh, the, I hear all these guys saying "Who day?" and I'm like, "What the what 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 is that?" Like, wh- one pride is so much cooler than that. Sure, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Trent. Hey, hey, hey! So is go green, go white, if I must say so. Dude, um, people think that's annoying. I think it's I think We're it's just cool. Simple-minded. Oh, dude! I... It's the only it is the only call and response chant. Like it's it's cool. We've talked yeah, about this mo- so many times, but there, I, every time I see someone wearing Michigan State garb outside of campus, because when you're on campus on a game day, you could you could legitimately go into cardiac arrest saying "Go Green" so many times because everyone's wearing Michigan. State I just say "Go Green." I'm not a "Go White" guy. Know what I so mean? if someone says "Go Green," you don't respond. No, but yeah, man, go white. It's I'm, but I'm just saying like. I'm like D'Antonio at the end of a press conference. I'm like, go green. Yeah, this like, is the statement. But we all, yeah. we've definitely talked about how asinine it is when you tell someone go green and their response is just not go white. And that happened to me, I think, two times over the weekend or in the last week since we last talked where I just go, hey, yeah, go green. And you're like, yeah, man, go green. Like, I I just struggle to understand where. Yeah. Like, clearly, like, you must not have gone to school at Michigan State. And we, we rag on – U of M for having the Walmart Wolverines, which I would honestly go on record saying, I think the majority of their fan base are people who just didn't go to the school and for whatever reason, take some pride in, in being a Michigan Wolverines fan. But there clearly are people that root for Michigan state that just are so aloof to the entire, the, to the entirety of the same. That's like all the sports though, dude. I guess it's frustrating. There's like, there's, I don't know, whatever. I, I, over the weekend, I, I worked at, uh, at my, at the liquor store I had worked in in the summer. So I went back home for a couple shifts and one of, one of the guys came in, I'm wearing my MSU hat, of course, cause it's game day. And one of the guys that comes in, he's, he's wearing Michigan stuff, all decked out, whatever. So I, I yeah. just decided to poke a little fun when he got to the, he got to the checkout. He's like, he's a dad, like he's probably 50 plus years old. I said, are you 21? I'm just messing with him. Right. And he goes, are you kidding me? Don't be such a Spartan. And I was like, okay, all right. Ask Sorry, him, sir. Ask him what year he graduated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I did to that 10 year old Cincinnati Bengals fan. I okay, said, yeah, we, from? Oh yeah. Let's yeah, talk yeah. about that. So you, we just got you bullied a, face. No, bullied this, this kid was like obnoxious. Okay. This, He's this 10. Where was okay. he sitting? Where was let, he sitting? Let, he was sitting two rows in front of me and my brothers. He was not with his parents. He's in he's in the wrong seats. He was alone? And, yes, he was alone. And he's no on way. snap. He, he's he's taking Snapchat videos of the field the whole time. And we're we're up in the 300 level. So it's it sucks. You can't see anything. And and he just kept turning around and like looking at us every time we would cheer. 
And eventually I just was trying to get his goat. So when Burrow threw an incompletion, I, I yelled, Joe Burrow sucks. And then this kid Is he goes, wearing a boat Burrow jersey? Yes. And this kid goes, this kid goes, do you even hear yourself? And I said, Hey, where are you from? And because th- that's what I do to all opposing fans when they're obnoxious. I'm just like, Hey, where are you from? Right. Cause they're, they're clearly not from Milford. Yeah. Yeah. Like Packers fans are my favorite ones. So anyways, mm-hmm. I felt bad and I, yeah, whatever. But in the Fear moment, the hatchet, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever. It is what it is. Poor kid. Uh- how are you just by yourself at 10 at a Lions game? That's what I'm, well, he that. was, he was, his family was nearby, but he wasn't sitting with his family. He was in like an empty row by himself <laughs> taking Snapchat videos oh, and, and, taunting, shocking. and taunting my brothers and I, and I was just like, all right, where are you from, dude? No one like, taunt hey. the Valley brothers. <laughs> They're like a wild cage animal. Yeah, whatever. I could just see I could just see Trent at that game. And I was going to ask Trent, obviously, as we do every week, we'll talk about the Lions at the end of the show. But when you told me that I could just picture you in there, you were probably so on edge because of how bad the Lions were playing that you were just looking for an excuse to snap. And and I was going to ask, too. Well, that was actually it was in the first quarter. Well, can I can I ask you, honestly, though, when you were at that game? Was there ever a point where you were like no longer having fun or did, did you truly believe? Cause I know you Trent and I know you're always glass half full guy, but you cannot lie to me and tell you that there wasn't a point in the game where you were like, okay, it's over. Like you were, you, well, I yeah, bet even when it was 27, nothing, you were like, you were doing the mental, you were telling Brock, like if no, they just get to stop here and go down and score. Chat. How could you not love this? Head coach? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm watching the game and I was like, wow, that was ballsy. They went for it on fourth and one on like their own 28 and they get it. And I just love Trent immediately in the chat. Yeah. Trent's like, How this could you is, not Trent's love like this that's guy. what they needed. Like, that's I, what they needed I, to I get back in this Trent game. Fist pumping with like his, his like season ticket, like neighbors are like, yeah, this is our guy. As the Lions can't move the football the whole day. Yeah, it yeah. was it was something like that, Collins. I'm not gonna lie. I loved it. I, that's great though. That's what made that's. I kind of was feeling that too, Trump. But I just loved immediately, literally yeah. 30 seconds after the play. How can you not love this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. My point. My point stands. Um, whatever. Yes. To answer Rabs's question, we did leave after they, after they kicked that field goal, we didn't want to see them get shut out. Once we saw him score, there was like 11 minutes left. We dipped. Um, so I did not see Swift's touchdown. I don't even know what happened. Haven't watched highlights. Yeah. Swift scored a touchdown with like two minutes left. So needless to say, my brothers and I did not hear the gridiron fight song Collins, unfortunately. Um, field goals. No, they don't do it after field no. goals. Oh, didn't know that. No, oh. so I mean, we'll try again in two weeks against the Eagles. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, more Lions talk later. But I just wanted to bring that up because it was it was at least it was it was a good story for my weekend, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Just you know, be bullying bullying uh, little Bengals fans. Oh, well, you know what? That little rip. that little Bengals fan went home a lot happier than I did. So I he'll be better bad. for it. He'll be better for it that you put him in his place. Um, but. Nonetheless, how about you get off get off Snapchat and watch the game, dude? You're at the game. Yes, correct. Millennials. But um, either way, uh, we will do Lions at the end of the show. Um, Balka today, Detroit Pistons season preview. I believe the Pistons take the court. Is is there a home opener? I I try to do the horn, like the that's crazy. (laughs) I I had no idea. I don't know even know what was going on. 
You sounded like Tony Romo. Eh, I don't know, Jim. I don't know, Jim. Um, is the home opener also the first game for the Pistons regular season game? Correct. Correct. Wednesday against the Chicago Bulls. All right. So I Wednesday at LCA. Woo, I can't wait, boys. We Collins, have that. I am more excited for the Pistons' first game than I was for the Lions' first game. I'm dead ass wow. serious. No, that's that's an acceptable thing. It's and I was I was and I was going to the Lions game, but it's just like it, this Pistons team, dude. It, it, it there's there's buzz. This is the most exciting the Pistons have been since uh, since moving downtown for sure. And other than that, I would say since probably 2007. Dude, I don't know. I, I'll tell you something. I've I've well, I've caught glimpses and pieces of the preseason game, not really paying attention and stuff. I mean, Cade hasn't really been playing in them. I mean, he didn't play in any of them, but so it wasn't like the same enjoyability, I guess. But thoughts on the new court? New court is sick. I like the court for uh, and people are like, why does that matter? It matters. I'm Dude, telling they you, have a couple, they have a couple different courts they're rolling out this year. A little yeah. insider information. And also, the little like uh club behind the basket i i would give all the money in the world to go to that just to sit in that like get like dressed up to the nines not even wearing pistons gear because that's what those people do in those sessions yeah. <laughs> they would just wear designer clothes randomly to a pistons game I'm like what's going on but i would love to go to the like the members only club behind like the rear basket at the lca it looks like a great time yeah, it does. Rab, do you have anything you want to like add preliminarily before we jump into this? Or no, I was I was just gonna say after we do the uh, after we do the LC or not the LCA after we do the Pistons season preview, we will talk some wings because we are two games deep and we have another game on Tuesday, which will probably be uh, the day the podcast releases. So I don't know when people listen to the show, but um, but we'll go ahead. Detroit Pistons season preview. Here it is. Obviously you guys are excited. I am too, to be honest with you. Like it just, and I was having this conversation this weekend, as far as we were listening to the lions on the radio, as I was playing golf, because that's just, you know, what I do now on Sundays. So what the comment was just like every, every single team in the city besides the lions and to the lions credit, they at least now are taking their medicine and doing the rebuild the right way. But every team, in this city has juice now. I, I, the, the Tigers are going to be, I was excited to watch them this year and they exceeded my expectations. They'll be great to watch next year already through two games. The, the Red Wings have looked, have looked pretty damn solid. And now, you know, you so have reason to be game. excited about the Pistons. So um, yeah, go ahead. Take it away with the season preview for all those Pistons fans out there. Yeah, Pistons. Pistons will start their season Wednesday against the Chicago Bulls. I believe the game's at seven or seven thirty. Usually, I it's. can't wait to hear George and Dredd just chop it up all oh year. God. Yeah, all year, baby. I, I and it's especially it's especially special, Collins, because I think that this is going to be their last core team. You know, like I think if if this team doesn't work out, I think they're hanging them up. Uh, not not this season. I mean, like the this core of players, like the the Sadiq Bay, Cade Cunningham, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart. I Crew. hope it works. If, if it doesn't work in the next three or four years, like and they don't get back to the playoffs, I, I think George and Greg will be hanging, hanging them up as, as two of the greatest to ever do it. But um, my base, my base expectations for the Pistons this year, I just think that the team needs to take a step from last season, which shouldn't be difficult. They went 20 and 52 last year and got the first overall pick, but I just want to see the young players continue to play and, 
and, and that their talent will win you a couple games. I'll, I'll give record predictions at the end. I kind of want your guys's too. But a quick quick recap of your offseason. Uh, you, you obviously won the number one overall pick. You took Cade Cunningham and later Isaiah Livers and Luca Garza. Um, the only other main addition was Kelly Olenek via free agency. You also re-signed Corey Joseph and Rodney Magruder, but they were guys on your team last year who didn't play a ton. Uh, your key departures were, of course, on draft night, you dumped Mason Plumley. You also got rid of Jaleel Okafor, Tyler Cook. So you got rid of three centers, and all those moves were essentially to open up minutes for Isaiah Stewart, your boy. Um, you lost Wayne Ellington in free agency. You lost Dennis Smith Jr. in free agency. No big losses there. And the big one was you traded Sekou Dumboya, which was a bit of a head scratch when it he happened. He's out of the league now. Well, he's he's on the Lakers. The Lakers signed him. So, I mean, he might Not be the next there. He might be the next LeBron, so we'll see. But um, that, that, that move was justified, even, even though it was a bit of a head-scratcher given Sekou's youth, but he hadn't really, he hadn't really progressed much. But, um, Collins, this is where I want to get your opinion because my, uh, my starting five that I want to see this team roll out on Wednesday is Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bey, Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart. Now, you could see Hayes come off the bench and uh, Cade start at the one and then have Kelly Olynyk in the starting lineup and kind of bump everyone down one. Uh, but I, I would just like to see Hayes and Cunningham play together because I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic this year. What are your thoughts? I do want to see them play together because I think the idea is that they're going to try and play them together. And I think it's going to be up to Hayes if he can make it work. Cunningham issue. It just isn't. I'm, I'm sorry to Killian Hayes, like, to hive. But, like, it's Hayes doesn't have to work with playing with Cunningham. And that means he needs to shoot the ball a little bit better. And just be aggressive offensively. Like, he just really – he has to be. Or you're not going to see him play with him and he's going to come off the bench. So, it's up to him and how he makes that work. Um, I do think Olenek should start. I personally think that. I just like him as a little steady Eddie in that lineup. I really I, – I was really high on Olenek signing. People didn't like the money. But I think he's a perfect fit for what they're trying to do. And I really – I like the idea of playing him off Stewart because Olenek is not this, like, prolific, like, rebounder and stuff like that, but he's tough. He's a pretty solid defender. And I like the idea of going a little bit bigger than smaller with this roster. And, and people are like, why would you want that? The lead's getting smaller and stuff like that. I don't know. I just I, – I think it's more of an interesting lineup if you go, like, Cunningham, Bay, G- Grant, Stewart and I, I don't think they're going to do that, but um, I think that would be interesting. That's an interesting lineup to look for, but yeah, I, I mean, you really think about it. I, I, I can, you could see Stewart maybe start the year off the bench, but I don't think that's going to happen either. I, um, it's exciting. I still think the Pistons are not going to, they're not going to win a whole lot of games. They're going to be in a lottery again. I really do think that. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. I, I and, don't know. We'll, we'll get we to that. Talk, later, I mean, but... we're going to talk about this. I mean, we don't even know if Cunningham's starting a year. Um, Bay's kind of banged up in the preseason. So is Hayes. So, I mean, immediately a little injury concerns there. I don't know how major or minor those are. But as good and as young as I like this roster, I still don't. I still think they're going to have a hard time just winning games. And that, people are like, Ryan, that's the dumbest thing ever. I mean, they're just really young. It's hard to win a lot of games in NBA when you're just like that young, unless Kate is like generational, generational, which I hope. But I, I, I mean, all sides point to the fact that Kate might 
it's going to take a little bit longer, I think, this year than we wanted to see because he just hasn't gotten the reps he needs so far. He's been banged up. So I, I, I just – unless Kate is, like, right off the bat, you're like, wow, this guy's awesome. Like, I, I don't want people to expect, like, why are, the, why are the Pistons not competing for an eight seed? I just think that's unrealistic. Yeah, I think the expectation is that they they at least compete for that nine or ten play-in spot, and I'll get to that later. But I just think, you know, just to continue the, the roster, I'll look real quick and finish that up. So you've obviously got Olenek, Josh Jackson, Hamadou Diallo, Isaiah Livers, Frank Jackson. Those are the guys off the bench that I think will get most of your bench minutes. The jury's out on whether Luka Garza will get minutes, but because I think the Pistons will go small quite a bit, um, with their primary bigs being Stuart Olenek and then Grant and Bay kind of getting time at the four. Corey Joseph, Saban Lee could be your two guys if, like, Killian and Kate aren't playing because of injury. You know, obviously we hope that isn't the case. But, Collins, you mentioned they're both a little banged up heading into the season. So, Joseph and Lee could get some run. And the Pistons are essentially 10 guys deep. That's kind of how I see it. Uh, it's it's garden wing heavy roster, but that's what wins nowadays, as you mentioned, Collins, even if you might want to go a little bigger. I just think that they've got more talent on the wings. But um, just to kind of like take a look at who I think will lead the team in certain stat categories, I think Jeremy Grant will be your leading scorer. He'll he'll probably run really well with Cade and or Killian at the point, whoever it is. He'll be right around that 22 points a game average he had last season. I think Cade Cunningham leads you in assists. I don't think that's a hot take. He'll be your primary ball handler in every situation, whether he's playing the one, two, or three. Um, and he's a bigger threat to score than Killian, which will get guys open when he has the ball. And if he doesn't turn it over too much, Cade will be your assist leader. Uh, Isaiah Stewart rebounds for obvious reasons. I think he actually, I think he actually could average a double double this year. He averaged 10 and a half points and 13 rebounds per 36 minutes, uh, last season. So I'm, I'm predicting like, uh, yeah, somewhere around that, because I think that's about what he's going to be playing. Um, and Plumlee's gone now, which is a, which is a big, uh, thank God. I don't want big, to see that guy chew free throws anymore. Yeah. No kidding. Big, big factor oh. there for Stewart's minutes. But, um, lastly, and Collins, this is where I really want to get your opinion too, because I think that this might be a hot take, but I think Killian Hayes might be one of your best defenders on this team. I, um, I mean, we talked about this last year, Trent. I think one of the things with Hayes that I think has been overlooked so far, I think he could be a really, really, really good defender. He's a lot bigger than I think a lot of people realize he is. And just and when people are like, he's not that strong or something like that, he's kind of – it's not like Chauncey because Chauncey was strong as shit and just kind of like built like a Brit shit house. But um, he – like you could tell he's got kind of broad shoulders and he's also got a nice win- long wingspan. I, just, I think he could be a really good like one – like guarding someone's like best guard. I really do. I think he's physical – I think he has good basketball instincts. So I think Hayes to be a really good defender. I, I, I'm i happy you brought that up. I think that's the one thing that gets overlooked when people kind of talk about the whole like Hayes and uh, Cunningham situation. You don't talk about how Hayes could be a really good defender. And I think Cunningham gets that benefit because he's so long yes. and he moves so well for his size. Everyone's like, he could be a really good defender too. I think Hayes to be a really good defender too. Well, you talk about yeah, – that, that's a great point because you talk about playing teams like the Brooklyn Nets and having James Harden at point and, like, I don't know, the Golden State Warriors with Steph at point. I think Killian will get those assignments simply because you kind of want Cade to leave more in the tank for offense. And those are the those are really the only two options there. I mean, because that's your probably going to be your starting backcourt, we hope. But my record prediction, we'll move into that, I guess. My, my floor for this team, I think, is like 28 to 30 wins. I think that's safe to say. Uh, and my ceiling's 41, 
And I know that sounds like a crazy number because we're back to 82 games. Uh, and, and like what, Trent, you think the Pistons can go 500? Yeah, I think they could. I mean, if all things go right, they could absolutely go 500. This team should easily hit that 31 benchmark with the season back to 82 games. Um, they play in a weak Eastern Conference. I think they'll have a good amount of fans back in the stands for home games. This is no doubt, as we said earlier, the most exciting the Pistons have been since moving to downtown. So I guess with a gun to my head, I'm going to say the team goes 37 and what would that be? 37 and 43 uh, 45, whatever, 37 wins. I think they get to over 30 wins and, and we'll see if that's enough for a play in spot, which would be in the top 10. I think it would be one last little nugget. Uh, I, I, I kind of, we all three led the charge here on, on taking the tigers over 68 and a half wins. And we also kind of said that Cleveland I words would go under 82. So I guess my gambling advice for the week would be smash the Pistons 25 and a half win total. I, I think they're going to go over that. I really do. Uh, you can get at minus 110. I think those are pretty good odds. The team is young, but they're too talented to basically only win the same game, same amount of games last year. You have 10 more games to work with this year on the schedule. So I just think if your starting five remains healthy and you have this phenomenal coach and you play in the weaker conference, I think you'll be able to win at least 26 games, which is what the over-under set at. So, you know, next time we talk, the Pistons will have played two games already. They'll have a home and home with the Bulls to start the season. I think they win Which one. Which I hate. What is that? I, I don't know, but I think I think they're going to win one of them. I know the Bulls get a lot of the Bulls are getting a lot of buzz for adding Lonzo Ball, adding DeRozan. They still have Vucevic, but this Pistons team's just. I think this is going to be the the theme of the year. Is this Pistons team is young, pesky, athletic? I think they're going to roll into a lot of stadiums and just want it more. So uh, yeah, that's kind of we'll my see. that's kind of my outlook on the team. I don't know. I'm excited. I, I, I just, I still think they're going to be in the lottery. I think it's, if you really look at, if you really think about it, you're like, Oh, the East isn't really that good. And then you think about it and you're like, yeah, well, these teams aren't really like contenders, but they're also just like kind of better than the Pistons are right now. So that's why I say that one thing question for both of you, if Ravs wants to chime in um, with this roster, we kind of talked about it at the end of last year. And this is kind of similar to what the Tigers are going to have to go through in the off season. The Pistons kind of like they discovered a couple of mishmash guys. Like, oh, this is kind of a nice little pickup. Like Josh Jats and Frank Jats and Hamadou, some other guys. Out of all those guys, who's your favorite? Josh. I love Josh. I love Josh. Thank you. Josh Jatson, I think, was I don't know what they will have to pay him after this year. I want him around. No, I do too, because like like you said, Collins, I mean, he was probably your best bench player last year towards the end of the year once you got your bench actually finalized because obviously at the beginning of the year, Stewart was coming off the bench and, and, and Sadiq Bay was coming off the bench here and there and stuff like that. But at the end of the year, once you really got your rotation set, Josh Jackson was your bench guy. And, and, you know, he averaged 13 and a half points on, on 42%. And obviously, you know, he's taking a lot of shots because the offense was just kind of terrible last year for the Pistons, but overall, yeah, like Josh Jackson, he's a city guy too. He's tough. Remember when he called Ben Simmons a bitch? That was awesome. I love like just that kind of stuff. He's tough, and, and and I think he is kind of spearheading the culture shift. But Rabs, who's your favorite guy other other than like the obvious young dudes? Frank Jackson. So this is a this is a I Jackson. Like Frank. We're, oh, I don't like Jackson that he cut his hair. Yeah. yeah, I did like his whatever he had going on last. He had a fro going. I, I I'm a little scared of, without the fro. I just like guys. I mean, he plays hard. He's like a, he's a really good energy guy to have off the bench. So that's that's my favorite. Like non cliche mainstream piston 
All right. Well, that yeah. I, mean, I think that's about it. Collins, I want to get your record prediction. I said about 37, 38 wins. What do you think? That's a lot. What is that? 28 and a half is their win over total? 20, 25 and a half is their win. Oh, 28. I looked today. Yeah. The, the one I looked at said 25 and a half. Yeah, I think they'll hit the over. I think they'll be around 28 to 30 wins, to be honest. They're really, really good with NBA win totals. That's like one thing with Vegas. It's like two or three games on like every single one. And there'll be like three exceptions where it's like last year with the Suns where they blow it out of the water. But um, I'm really excited to watch Pistons basketball. I Other than the Tigers, this team has the most juice in the city. I don't care what anyone says. I mean, the wins look good the first two games we're going to talk about it. But like you have a number one pick on that team. Like, I think uh, that just moves the needle. So I, I, and like, we didn't even talk about Sadiq Bay. I'm really interested to see how he progresses in year two. Is he more of a guy? I said, okay, that's just kind of who he is. Or does he develop and add more to his game? I think he can add more to his game. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I hope I'm right about that, but I think he can add more to his game. And I'm excited to see some of the bench pieces. We already talked about some of the mishmash guys. It's so to see what Saban Lee does. I like Saban Lee as a backup point guard. All right. That's I think that's about all I got. Rabs. Let's go Pistons, baby. I, I am it's fired up. The one thing by the way, if Bally Sports, if they have the big uh I think they what's it called? Did they was it Bally Sports or Pistons last year? Um, yes. It was it, okay. towards the towards the end, I think. It, or did it switch midseason? I forget. It might have switched midseason. I think right. last year they just got to fix the score bug. Ugh. Yeah. Just give me a smaller score bug for baseball and basketball and, le- and hockey, to be honest. There's all of them. But whatever. Yeah. I mean, they use the Fox Sports. The Fox Sports music for Pistons basketball is my favorite. Nostalgic. Sorry, I just like a copyright flag for that. Collins, that was so that was so good. Hey, no, that's gonna be our intro now. That's gonna be our intro now. That's we're we're gonna we're gonna cut that out. We're gonna make that our intro. Okay, welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. I'm George Blaha here, and I'm about to. I know. Okay, over. this need that that <laughs> needs to stop. We're done. We're done. I'm glad Perhaps. everyone had fun. Go for well, it. Well, my ear, my only thing on the Pistons, no, number one, if you're telling me that their win total is 25 and a half for a team that won 20 games last year, and you have to, you know, I would take into consideration the fact that they were so actively trying to lose games from just the standpoint of the lineup they would roll out and you give everyone on your team last year, the, as far as the young players, another year under their belt, I would say I would go way over the 25 and a half win total. I don't know if, I mean, again, as far as basketball is concerned, like Trent, I, it would get ticky tacky for me to give you an exact number of wins, but I, I just think you're, you're starting five, whether or not that includes Kate Cunningham at the beginning of the year. I don't even, to, to me, honestly, is, is irrelevant because I don't really foresee Cade Cunningham. I don't really see anyone so much in this, in this draft class, because I look at, I look at Cade Cunningham and the Pistons is like, do the Pistons need to have Cade Cunningham in the starting lineup on opening night? Probably not. Whereas a guy, a guy like Jalen green, like they have to play him in Houston or else I don't even know who's on their team. So the Pistons have, have created For enough sure depth, enough depth to an extent to where, 
you know, if Saban Lee, if Saban Lee has to go out there and get your minutes, Frank Jackson has to eat some big minutes. I think they still have Corey Joseph. I, I think they'll be absolutely fine. But the key is, is truly just the health because to, to me, I mean, outside of the guys that I, in, in the, in the bit of basketball that I watched last year for the Pistons. And I do, I do really would like to watch a lot more this year because they will be exciting, especially if Cade's on the floor and Killian can stay healthy, but that's what it's all about is, is staying healthy because I don't, I don't necessarily know as far as the depth of the depth of this team, how they stack up with the rest of the league, as far as like game changers. But I do think they at least play some semblance of, of really good team basketball. And yeah, I mean, I do, I see them being a playoff team. The East is so hit or miss to where, you know, if they get hot for a couple weeks and, and, you know, some other teams, the injuries or whatever, sure. They could back into the playoffs. Do they, do they necessarily need to, I guess not. But my question would be for, you know, Colin says they're going to have a lottery pick, which I know doesn't mean they're going to be, you know, they're going to have, the, that doesn't mean they're going to be awful. Right. They're going to be awful, but where, I mean, at what point, cause I was coming into this year thinking that, yeah, this team, you know, should I, Honestly, my thought process was as good as this, despite losing only winning 20 games, I think the team looked good enough to where they would compete in some real games to the point where like, Hey, if they were actually trying to win, then they could actually get in the playoffs. And I know that you're not even anywhere close to actually winning a playoff series, but like at what, at what point in your guys' opinion or, or what else are they missing to where, we can just be like, yeah, they're a playoff team. Is it, is it just the experience? Like, is that strictly what you're going off of? Is the fact that you're going to get year one of Cade Cunningham? Killian didn't get to play a lot last year because he was hurt. Like, is that is that where we're at? Well, mostly, but I also think it, it, it depends. It's just like with any youth movement, Rabs. You know, we talk about the wings and you talk about how having a coach who has just actually bought in on the young core that you have, like that, that's huge. And Dwayne Casey chose to stick around, even though when he signed on, he signed on to coach Andre Drummond and Derek Rose and, and Blake Griffin and try to make that shit show work out. And it didn't, but now, you know, you got this young core and, and to answer your question about the playoffs, it's like, when I look at the standings from last year, there are your obvious Eastern conference teams that like, even if they have injury concerns, will still just end up winning more games than the Pistons. And that's like the Sixers, the Nets, the Bucks. But dude, after that, it's like, there's that tier of good teams who aren't contenders, the Knicks, the Hawks, the Heat. And then it's like, dude, the Wizards lost Russ. So I don't think they're going to be better than the Pistons necessarily this year. I don't like the Pacers that much. The Hornets, is LaMelo going to be that much better this year? Did they add anybody? I don't really – like, you know what I mean? It, there's questions to ask here, and it's like, of course, the Bulls were out of the playoffs last year. That's a team that probably sneaks in. But the, the Pistons, if you count up the teams, it's like after eight or nine, I, I don't know if there's a ton of teams that I can definitively say are better than the Pistons. So that's when it'll get interesting to see if they can win enough games. And I've got them at about, like, yeah, 38 wins. And, and we'll see if that's enough to get a nine or 10 play-in spot. But, um, and, and, and lastly, to your point of, do they need to make the playoffs? No. I mean, that's, that would be a, that would be a massive achievement this year. So I don't know, Collins, if you have thoughts on that, but that's, that's kind of where I stand there. Nope. I, I'm pretty set on what I said with, about the Pistons. I'm just all excited. I don't have any like hot, spicy takes yet. I, one spicy take that I have is basically that I I think Josh Shatson is like going to be like a crucial part of this team in two to three years if they want to resign him, which I think they should. Because I think a lot of people who watched the Pistons last year or were casually watching it, they're like, oh, Sadiq Bay, oh, Isaiah Stewart. 
not enough people have talked about like the Josh Shatsons and like the Frank Jatsons, but I, I mean, Josh Shatson, especially, I think Josh Shatson could be a pe- like a part of this team going forward, like legitly. So that's all I got. All right, fellas. Well, Pistons and Bulls from Little Caesars Arena on Wednesday, October 20th. Let's go. I hate them. 7 p.m. tip. Um, but now we can move into the hottest team at Little Caesars Arena, and that is no, no, we can talk. Red hey, Rams. can we talk about game one? Can we just talk about that? Sure, I suppose. I did see Ryan Collins at game one. I saw Ryan and Rob. I will um, say this. I will not be watching the wins for at least another month and a half for someone who bet on wins money line. To have that happen to me, hey Collins, one. You know what it was, Collins? It was it was your your boy Dylan Larkin wasn't there, and and they really missed him. They really missed him. I, I mean, I that he had to do what he had. To, I mean, we'll talk about. It. I, I know that had to do what he had to do. It also was the turning point of the game. I'm not blaming him for what happened, but like after that, they kind of, it was just like a different game from that point. But whatever. I mean, Rab, sorry to cut you off. I just I'm no, still no. pissed off that they lost that game. No, so. you're fine. Um, so puck dropped on uh on Thursday, as we talked about. Um, obviously, for those that watch the game, uh, the Red Wings lose a heartbreaker in overtime, seven to six to the defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, and they go play Saturday back at home. They beat the Canucks three to one. They have the Columbus Blue Jackets tomorrow, um, which is Tuesday the 19th. Luckily, I w- I'm going. To start off the year, fellas, I'm going four for four on uh, on being at LCA for these Wings games. Whether I'm watching the game or working the game, I did work on Saturday. I will work tomorrow, and I'll work against the Flames on Thursday. Um, so I'll get. I, I'll just say from from a non hockey standpoint, that arena was awesome. On game one, it was night. it was just it was set. Awesome. I was jealous. I, yeah. I was so jealous it of was, both you guys. I, I mean, it, I. I just was like, it was one of those situations where I was just kind of like sitting around with my family. Then I saw that it was like seven fifteen. I was like, oh shit. I think the wings first games tonight, I put it on, fell in love. I was so jealous of you guys because you guys are both there. Yeah. And there's, there's something obviously little Caesars arena has not been broken off, broken in enough yet from either team, as far as having the magic that the palace did or that Joe Lewis arena did. And there was just something about being at the Joe in, especially in big games, like playoff games. And you haven't seen one yet at little Caesars arena um, from the Red Wings standpoint, but just that, just that energy and that buzz where you can kind of feel the tension because everyone's so locked into the game. I vividly remember a point in the game. I believe it was when the Wings scored their third goal and it was three, nothing. And the let's go Red Wings chant that got started was so loud and I just remember thinking like how awesome it, it was just to have the arena packed it was it was sold out ticket wise I think I think as far as actual people in the seats um, there were definitely some spots here and there but um, for all intents and purposes it was just loud the octopus came flying on the ice immediately off the hop which was awesome um, and, and and just to have Red Wings hockey back that just it just shows you Obviously, every town, every team has their fair weather fans. And, and yes, you can make the case because the Red Wings have been so bad. If maybe, you know, people, oh, if it really was hockey town, there'd still be people in, in the building. I get it too. It's an not extent. a hockey town. Sorry. <laughs> well, it, it, it is, though. That's it's the a thing. football like, town. It just is. But, but, but you say that and you, you, I mean, you remember games at the Joe where, where, when no, I get no, good, right. and when they're, when they're in the playoffs like that. No, I, Michigan the, is a hockey game is second to none. 
I'm, I hate to jump all over you again, but what's it called? First of all, they never should have got rid of the hockey town in center ice. Just, I don't understand why they did that. It was a sweet look. And it was like something that was not, they didn't need to do that. I didn't like that. I, when it, like the wins have, I think probably the strongest following, like their fans. I don't think like in numbers, they have the largest amount of fans, but like their fans, I think have the strongest conviction and are like, I'm there every night. I'll give you that. I will concede that point. But when I, when I say this and this is like, doesn't, this is kind of goes past Detroit sports too. If you're from the Metro Detroit area or you're from the whole state of Michigan, either like Michigan or Michigan state usually, and you love the lions. So you're like, it, it, it's just a football town. It's not anything the wins could do like college football is huge in the state of Michigan. And so is the NFL. So I'm just, that's what, that's my point. And that's, that's fair. I guess I would, I would just say, I, I think, you know, I, I hear on the radio every single day about how many lions fans don't watch the games and they can't stand the team. And I'm kind of in that. Yeah, but those are all liars. Like, <laughs> well, I, I haven't watched the last two weeks, but whatever. Well, dude, that's, that's point. also, that's also a coping mechanism. Like you always do that after they lose like that. You're just like, I hate fuck this. I'm not coming back. And then you're, that's you're fine. back and entirely, yeah. entirely beside the point we can, we can go into the first two games here. So, so game one, I mean, I mean, as a, as a fan watching, you really couldn't have asked for much more as far as what you got for the price of admission. You get to see overtime hockey. Uh, obviously, you saw you know Dylan Dylan Larkin's incident. Um, there were scraps, there were scrums. It was a high scoring game. Um, you had a couple big saves from Nadalkovich, but and then Tyler Bertuzzi comes off with with four goals to start the year. It was was absolutely unbelievable. Um, so. You know, for, for me, looking at that game, obviously, I, I want to say it was, what was it, three different, was it three different three-nothing leads that were blown or something, or they blew they blew a three-goal lead two different times or something crazy three zero. Like First it was 3-0, then it was 6-3, <gasps> yes. Yeah, so they, so they blew that twice, which – if, if you want to call, if you want to call the Dylan Larkin incident, the turning point in the game, I guess no, I'll give it, it to it, you. I mean, th- it kind of was. I'm not well, saying it, you shouldn't have done it. Well, losing, you know, losing, losing your captain, there's, a, there's, there's two sides of the coin, right? Like losing your captain in that game. And especially a guy who's, you know, like it or not as your first line center, he did have a goal in that game, which wasn't a pretty goal, but it was a goal nonetheless. So you lose a piece of your fur of your top line that you really need when you're playing a team like the Tampa Bay lightning, especially from a defensive standpoint, when you're playing against the likes of Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, the list goes on and on. Um, so, but at the same time too, I think when you see Dylan Larkin stand up for himself like that, it kind of gives the team a rest of the, uh, the rest of the team, the, excuse me, Jesus, slow down, Ryan, the rest of the team, a bit of a boost there. Um, so there's two sides of that coin, but all in all, I mean, I, I was really happy with the way the Red Wings played. Um, Moritz Sider, I believe, registers two points in that game. Lucas Raymond registers a point in that game, which is cool to see just from the standpoint of being a fan. Like, here are your young guys that are making an impact. Um, as far as those two are concerned, Lucas Raymond's skill level and, and just his just his hands and his, his ability to make create space for himself, especially in the neutral zone and, and giving himself a point of entry coming into the offensive zone. I always say offensive now because I like him like pseudo Canadian just from how much hockey I watch, but um, coming into the offensive zone, excuse me. Um, and, and just his ability to, to create for others and for himself too. And he has a wicked shot. We'll get into the power play in a second, but really impressed with his game. This as far as his raw ability goes. Um, 
he's playing on that top line with Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi, who I presume will be back together tomorrow night with the addition of Dylan Larkin back in the lineup after his one game suspension, that line is going to be awesome. And, and to me is a, is, you know, with like my coach brain, you really have all of the makeup of a successful line, in my opinion, especially line one in the national hockey league, you have your, your centerman Dylan Larkin, who, I would say his his biggest upside offensively is his playmaking ability. Obviously, you've seen he can score the puck, um, and, and he's extremely defensively responsible. But I'm, I'm thinking about this more from an offensive side of things. Tyler Bertuzzi is a guy who's not afraid to go in the corners. He throws his weight around. If you want to call him more of a power forward, two-way forward, um, whatever his role you would – you would want to call him as fair. And then you have Lucas Raymond, who I think will just turn into a bona fide goal scorer in this league with, with such a wicked shot. So you have, you have three guys that all really play complimentary hockey. And when Jacob Verona comes back um, in a few months, it'll probably take some time for him to get back to speed to where he's playing at that top line. But really, if you look at these line combinations from, from what they've shown you the first couple of nights, and I don't anticipate them changing all that much. I mean, you go Larkin between Bertuzzi and Raymond, you go Pew Suter between Phillips Zadina and Robbie Fabry. And again, you're going to see Jacob Ron at some point during the year when he comes back, those top two lines. And especially if you want to look at the power play too, because right now the power play units, I mean, like, like listen to the power play units, Dylan Larkin, Tyler Bertuzzi, Robbie Fabry, Nick Letty, and Lucas Raymond on D. And then unit two with Heronic and Sider on D, Zadina, Rasmussen, Ernie, maybe up front, you're, you're not as, I guess versatile as you might want to be. I mean, you have Rasmussen up the middle that's just a big body for you in front of the net, which is awesome. But when you add Verona into this lineup, like I, I need people to understand that while it might not be flashy, like the Pasternak, uh, Bergeron, Marchand line, or, or even if you want to put that up next to Tampa's first line or Toronto's first line or the McDavid drives it, I get it. Like maybe their top end talents, not, not quite, up there yet with the rest of the league. And it will be when you give Lucas Raymond some more time, you get Jacob Verona time to settle in in the top six role. Like they, their top two lines can compete and they've shown you that the first two games. So I've been really impressed with, you know, Pew Suter, I would say is the one guy who's been a bit disappointing through two games. Um, but, but nonetheless, I, I think the top two lines have been fine and just the depth on this team. Like you eliminate a guy like Franz Nielsen. I love Darren Helm, but, but Darren Helm's offensive production really just hasn't been there over the, over the last couple of years. So your third line who they started the night against the lightning Rasmussen between Ernie and Nemestikov. I'm pretty sure Ernie led your team in goals last year. Like that's a fine third line to me. And then the fourth line, Mitchell Stevens, Sam Gagne, Giovanni Smith, Giovanni Smith has played an awesome two games and has just filled in that role on the fourth line of a, just an absolute sandpaper guy that is not afraid to get in your face. He's not going to play a ton of minutes, but he still has that, that component where, you know, he can, he can put the puck in the net. And I don't think that fourth line is like your fourth lines of late where it's just like these guys have to eat ice to take pressure off the, off the top couple lines. And they're not going to do much for you. Like they're Rams, all where did Mitchell Stevens come from. Never even he was heard a, of this a trade from Tampa. I believe they sent the sixth round pick over to Tampa. That's a guy who was kind of getting buried in that system. Um, so I was just wondering because I literally, 
Me and yeah. Rob, and Rob, Rob, and then his buddy Deets. Deets, pretty win, big wins fan too. We're like, who is Steve? Yeah, he <laughs> like, came no over from idea Tampa. You know, a guy that Steve Eiserman's familiar with. But these these bottom these bottom this bottom yeah. six on this team, where you were relying on guys like Vlad Nemestikov to play in your top six last year. Like Adam Ernie was getting was getting looks in your middle six. So, I think the bottom six has added tremendous depth to your team. And I don't know who they'll bump down once, once uh, Jacob Verona comes back, you also might see a Joe Valena or a Jonathan Virgin come in. Maybe Taro Hirose gets some time this year. Um, you also have Carter Rowney who played in the game against Vancouver, who is, you know, a, a, a relatively seasoned vet in the NHL of, of being a fourth line player, but, but they're deep and, and Giovanni Smith on that fourth line, it's just such an awesome sandpaper guy to have in your lineup. And, and, you know, I think he's really a testament to what you've been hearing Blashill say and Larkin say over after the first two games of just like this team sticks up for each other and then they come to play together as a unit and they've gotten a lot closer as a team. Now that these guys have had some time to play together and it's a very, very important piece of the puzzle. Um, but anyway, back to the Tampa game, as I know I went off on a bit of a tangent, um, really, really disappointing to lose that game like that. I, I you could just kind of tell, like, I, I maybe after the last thing, 10 minutes, the defense of it was, was awful. Yeah. And they kind of, you know, one of the things that I, I'm never a huge fan of, especially, and I get it, you know, to an extent, when you play a team like Tampa Bay, who's, ext- who's extremely quick in transition, they have a lot of skill guys that can just beat you up ice. You know, I, I understand the sentiment of playing a bit more passive on the forecheck, um, just from the standpoint of you're trying to kind of hold them up in the neutral zone um, versus getting getting beat and having guys fly behind you if you're too aggressive. I just think that the game plan looked like it changed a bit and the Red Wings were really, really letting Tampa set up and, and come out of their zone with speed, which, you know, a team like that, who as much as they've lost a couple guys here and there, that team has been playing together for many years. They've obviously won back-to-back cups. So when you, when you give them time and space, they will utilize every bit of it. And they just show you like, that's what Tampa does. They can put the puck in that at will, whether it's Palat, whether it's Kalorn, Stamkos, Hedman, you name it, they can, you know, they can score the puck. So there were, you know, you kind of saw Collins, as you said, in the last 10 minutes, they look like the Red Wings of old of the past couple of years where they're just getting absolutely hemmed in their own zone, you know, second, third chance pucks getting banged in. And poor Alex Nadelkovich, who went from having one of the best defensive cores in the league last year with Carolina to now the reality is, as you saw with Thomas Grice against Vancouver, you're going to see 40 shots a night. You know, you're not going to have, you're not going to have nights that you can take off in net. Um, and we'll get to the Vancouver game in a second, but you know, I think, you know, with Nadelkovich kind of got scrambled a bit and I thought he made some big saves in that game and, and he looks really solid in that, but. Rams, can I, can I ask you about yes. that? I want to, I want to expand yeah. on that real quick. Cause that was the one point I had coming into this is simply just like, I'm not a hockey guy, right? So I don't understand. So I got to ask you this kind of stuff. But one trend I saw in the first two games is you lost the shots on goal battle versus Tampa 26 to 48 yeah. and then to, to Vancouver 20 to 41. So you nearly get doubled up in both and you do get doubled up against Vancouver. Is that a defensive issue to you or is it just the offense isn't shooting the puck? I think, uh, I mean, a lot of it for me, it's, it's twofold, but it, you know, it truly is a defensive issue just as far as like, and maybe I don't think that those numbers will be as outrageous with, with some of the teams that you play in the future. I mean, you're, you're playing, I, I love Vancouver offensively and Tampa Bay obviously is Tampa Bay. Um, but to me, it's a standpoint of, of just, you know, you kind of get, 
a team like Tampa Bay is is so skilled offensively that they can just cycle the puck in your zone and they can get, you know, four shots on, on any given rush or, or any given offensive possession. So, you know, defensively, that's where Trent, like I look at guys like Danny DeKaiser and Mark Stahl who just cannot get out to the puck at an efficient enough rate to like make plays happen and break things up and, and, and start to break the puck up ice. You know, even Mo Sider, who just looks a bit like, I don't know if lethargic is the right word, but it's not like he plays the game with tremendous speed at this, at this point, And he's a bigger body. So really the Red Wings have to capitalize on, you know, blocking shots or winning puck battles in the corner to get the puck out because, I just don't think defensively they're strong enough yet to where they're really jamming, jamming up plays and um, enable to keep the puck on the perimeter. Like there's that. And that's one of the aspects, I guess, to answer your question where they need to improve on is, is keeping the puck out of the middle of the ice is, you know, it's, it's second and third chance pucks that will get you beat. And to me, a lot of that is just being defensively responsible in front of your own net, not getting caught watching the puck and picking up sticks in, in the front, in the, uh, the front of the net, but, you know, to your point too, Trent, like as far as the lack of shots they get, that's the thing with the wings. And it's been, it's been the case the last couple of years with just the way that, you know, maybe their talent has limited them a bit. And I think that will get a lot better this year, but they're, they're not a great team in, in offensive transition in, in my eyes. Like, and, and I guess I say that, I, I think that there's, there's an element to this team where the best scoring chances they're they're gonna get are in you know like defensive breakdowns on the from the other team standpoint and just you know hitting a guy hitting a stretch pass going down and hoping you get a shot on a breakaway like that's that's to me where they can they can really capitalize and where I think they've been able to be successful as far as goal scoring goes. So maybe my comment about them not being great in transition more. So I would say like, they're not a team that's going to do to you what the Tampa Bay lightning can do. Like they're not going to set the offense up and cycle the puck and wear you down and just input the puck in the back of the net. Like for me, it's going to have to be quick chances and it's going to have to be playing tight in the corners, having a puck sweep out in front and you bang it in. Like they're not going to score a lot of pretty goals in my opinion this year, unless they're on the power play, which again, we'll get to in a second. So, you know, when you're, like I said, for Nadelkovic, when you're playing behind a defensive core that was as good as Carolina's was last year, and, you know, you're getting guys that block shots, that can clear pucks, they can, you know, they're, they're big enough bodies to move guys in front of the net where you're not getting second, third chance pucks. Like, it's it's a tale of two cities here when you come to Detroit. Now you're seeing 40-plus shots a game. So, um, obviously, you know, the sample size with the teams that you've played, I think, you know, probably inflates that statistic a little bit, but either way to finish up the Tampa game, I mean, you let them come all the way back. You kind of got the feeling in the building, like once Tampa climbed all the way back and they get to overtime, like you're, you know, you're probably not winning that game. That's just where good teams and that's where skill just beats you in certain in circumstances like that. I don't think the wings touch the puck in overtime. I, I don't remember them like, like ever that, having that's, the puck on their stick. That's why I think, and, and I don't mean to make this like a positive, but I just think that's where like, I was just thinking after the game when Ravs, I called you. Yep. It's just like, I think that's a win to get like, to get a point in that game. And obviously when it goes to OT, you know, you're probably not going to win. Like you said, Yeah. you sure. just don't, you don't touch the puck simply because you're playing a better team who just slices you up surgically and just scores that game winning goal. Sure. But you know, I mean, and, and like Collins likes to, <clears throat> likes to mention rightfully so the, the game turned on a dime almost seemingly when, when Larkin goes out. 
So it is what it is. You, you'd hope to survive. You didn't, but you got a point and then to turn around and beat Vancouver. And now, like you said, I think it, it, you can't ask for a better start really. Cause you, you could have got blown out by Tampa on night one. Well, what's it called? I'll say this. Bryce plays great against Vancouver. We already talked about that. That's the last he played awful, awful in that game against the Wings. Yeah, I don't. I mean, they're they're which is fine. Hey, that's Tampa fine. Did that's not, of- Tampa did not look good in that game either. No, like, no, no, no. They didn't. And I'm just saying, I I just want to be fair. I'm not to act like, oh man, this offense was clicking. Also, Vasilevsky let in probably like two or three goals that he shouldn't have let in. I'm just saying that. Yeah, Tampa did not look good the first uh, the first two games of the, of the year. They looked a bit slow to me, but you know they that's they can just score. So that so that's that. So yeah, dis- disappointing. But like you said, Trent. That's a game that a lot of people probably chalk up, chalk up as a regulation loss, you know, but you get a point, you hang in there. I think that's huge for your confidence. Then you move into Vancouver. Didn't get to catch a lot of the Vancouver game because I was actually working the game. Um, but again, like I said, another another offensive team. It looks like, you know, your Pedersons, your Gar- – like they have Connor Garland now, JT Miller, Danner Pearson, like Elias Pedersen. I mean, they're that that team can chop you up if you don't if you don't play. And they, and you saw on the shots, like the shots told the story. And Thomas Grice played awesome. And that's been my whole point with the goaltending, even to Jonathan Bernier's credit. Like the like John, Thomas Grice is a goalie who is rock solid, who consistently has above a ninety percent save percentage, and is just a product of a team the last you know last year that couldn't score a lot of goals and let up a lot of shots. So he holds you in that game, which is fantastic. Um, so I, I guess to like sum up my Red Wings talk here is just that, look, I know it's only been two games and injuries can happen. As you saw with Dylan Larkin, suspensions can happen. They're not going to be able to, they're not going to be able to play as well as they did the first two games on any given night. And and maybe I'm wrong in that circumstance. Like maybe, maybe this team has found their identity and maybe they, you know, are really that, that tight in the locker room and they're really getting up to play for Blashill to the point where, like, this is the brand of hockey you're going to see on, on any given night. But, you know, th- through two games, I mean, the, the penalty kill hasn't been tremendous, not like they've been on the penalty kill a ton, but it, it hasn't been tremendous through the first couple of games. But I will say this, if you want to talk about, you know, st- statistics and, and, tangible improvements they're like the they have like the 11th best power play percentage in the league right now again through two games small sample size but that is the key right there like teams they can capitalize on their on their man advantage really like the, it's it's such a huge component especially in the national hockey league where these teams are so good and, and every team even the teams that are bad like have talent they have guys that can play you have to capitalize when you are five on four five on three four on three whatever it may be and the red wings have not done that at all in the last handful of years and i read you off their power play units and, and to me it's just the perfect mix of you know guys that can set the play up on the wall you have uh two defensemen and heronic insider on the second unit that can move the puck that are dangerous with their shots from the point you had lucas raymond into the fold on defense with nick letty on the first unit nick letty a guy that's that's quarterbacked a lot of power plays over his years um with with tremendous vision being able to find the open man and, and just just all these components that you need for a successful power play. I think you're starting to see that now just on paper. 
And again, you don't even have Jacob Vrana yet. So on paper, I think the units look a lot better than they have in the past. And you have seen that based on, like I said, 11th best uh, power play percentage in the league right now. I'm anticipating that number going down, but you really can't get much worse than you were last year and the year before. So if the wings can keep that rolling and they get Lucas Raymond comfortable, I think he's going to score a lot of goals on the power play this year. Um, But I I just, I'm very happy with what I've seen through the first two games. They have a long way to go. Um, But, but nonetheless, like, I guess the last thing I will add in here is you're, you're getting contributions up and down the ice. I mean, I was looking at the team statistics little bit earlier today and I want to say you have maybe like four guys that have registered a game and in the one asterisk is is Carter Rowney who's only played one game and he plays fourth line minutes so if we take him out of the equation you have like three guys who have no points through two games that's awesome like awesome the fact that you're seeing that kind of contribution through really all four of your lines I mean I think Mitchell Stevens and Giovanni Smith are the two guys that don't have points um pew Suter is i believe the other one and again troubling that he plays on on your second line and, and he hasn't been able to register a point yet but nonetheless you know having two fourth line guys with no points doesn't concern me so far but you are getting contributions up and down the ice and again i know it's a small sample size but tyler bertuzzi with four goals in the first game most cider leads your team in assists with three assists and you know having nick letty's up there Gustav Lindstrom's up there as far as your defenseman contributing to the play, which is great. Um, I so their D's good, perhaps. You don't think they're good? No. Well, I mean, games. if you if you want to take, I, I mean, to, to I think they're they're be- they're better than they have been. I'm just saying that I don't I, and it, like you said, still early sample size. I just just eye test wise, I think I'm in their own blue, like in their own zone. They're just not that great. Which yeah, is which fine. is which is fair. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you. Which that. is fine if you're if like you said if you're gonna jump in on the other end and make plays like it's a give and take there. So we'll see. I'll give you that. I could I could see within these next two games, even as soon as tomorrow night, you, you haven't seen Jordan Ostrich yet. You haven't seen Troy Stetcher yet. Now I was coming into this year thinking that number one that that the Stetcher and Stall pair would be back together. Um, obviously, it hasn't been through two games. I was also under the assumption that they might dress seven defensemen um, and, and roll guys in there, which they also haven't done. Um, but you will probably see Stetcher and, and Osterley in some combination over the next couple of games, maybe just to give Stahl and DeKaiser a break. I don't know. They've had, you know, they've had a day or two off in between games. So, so we'll see from that standpoint, but I don't disagree. I would just say as far as the defensemen go, this will 100% be your last year of Mark Stahl. And I really have a hard time seeing Danny DeKaiser coming back, um, which is a shame because I like Danny DeKaiser. He's, he's, you know, he's from here, Western Michigan product, but he, he's obviously one of those guys, a, a Ken Holland contract, who's making way too much money for the little that he produced produces on both ends of the ice. So with that being said, you know, are, are Australia and, and Stetcher the answer? We don't know, and that's the reason why Australia was brought over, and that's the reason why Troy Stetcher's in year two of his deal. So you're going you're gonna to make that call, and you're going to see. Um, you know, you're looking at a guy like Jared McIsaac in the AHL, who I believe was hurt, like, pretty much all of last year to where I don't even think he, he played. I could be completely wrong up from that front, but, you know, between him and, and Edmondson, who you just drafted in this previous year's draft with your sixth overall pick or whatever pick you had, 
those are the guys they're looking at to fill in those spots. But between Sider and between Hironic and Gustav Lindstrom, who I still think is a young guy who really hasn't looked great and all that sure of himself, but I think he's got pretty a pretty decent skill set as far as being a two-way defenseman. Um, so, so you look at that and, and, you know, you roll the balls out. You have Nick Letty. Is Nick Letty going to be back next year? Potentially, they could give him the Mark Stahl treatment, bring him back for one more year to shore up the blue line, and he is far better than Mark Stahl and Danny DeKaiser. So all in all, one on one for the Wings. They're back on the ice tomorrow night um, at home against Columbus, who Columbus has been hot so far to start the year, and I believe they beat up the Wings in the preseason too um, for a game. So looking forward to it. Red Wings hockey's back. That's all I have. Thank you for listening, and we can now move on. Um, any, any parting words of the Red Wings talk? I'm oh. so mad about last Wednesday. Fair enough, because they were in it. Or Thursday, yep, they, they were in it. Was it Thursday? I, Whatever, I'm still mad about it. Should have won. won. You win that game 10 out of 10 times. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I Unbelievable. Am in, I am I'm in sure. on this team. It was actually really – I had so much fun watching on Thursday. That it, Thursday was like, game was awesome. It was was just, dude, it was just electric. I wish I was there with you guys. That was fun. But then at work on Saturday too, I had the game on in the office. I, I want to do better as, as a, as a podcast co-host and actually watch all four teams in the city. So here we go. I'm excited. How about YouTube TV gets Bally sports back and maybe I can get on that. You know what Collins? It's kind of tough when I have to stream all these games on my phone. Collins, it's kind of funny because last year when you would complain about that, I, it was just like, eh, I was like, Collins will figure it out. Now I am in the same situation because I don't have cable. And it's, it's like, I, yeah, it, it's it's pretty bad. It's literally the worst in the world. No, and it's about if to get worse because I don't have the Pistons phone. either. It's not the same watching on your phone because you want to check stuff out on your phone. You want to look at Twitter and then you got to exit out. You got to come back. It's a whole process. It sucks. So figure it out. All right, let's wrap up with the uh, Lions today before we do the trifecta. Um, Yeah, so again, hey, I'll preface this by saying, because I'm not going to sit here and be disingenuous, my second week in a row I did not watch a snap of the game. I will say I was playing Shepard Hollow on on Sunday morning. Nice track. Great track. Sunday morning I was playing out there. I did have the game on the speaker once the game kicked off, so I was listening to the game. I was watching while I could, Um, but – I did not see the 34 to 11 shellacking uh, at the hands of the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. Trent, obviously you were there. Your quick stats for you. Um, Your franchise quarterback, Jared Goff, 28 for 42, 202 yards and an interception. DeAndre Swift, 13 carries, a whopping 24 yards and a touchdown. TJ Hawkinson, eight catches, 74 yards. um, Respectable. Um, Trent, and, and Collins, you guys, if you guys want to break down the game, you guys can do whatever you want to do. I have a few comments just about the team. But as we said, I don't know if we said it when we opened the show, but we definitely said it and said it in our you know pre-show discussion of there is simply not a lot to talk about. And we are not going to sit here and beat a dead horse and try to drag this out for 45 minutes and analyze. This roster is not good. They have a ton of injuries and they sucked on Sunday. So whatever else you guys want to add to that, if you have any talking points you want, we can go back and forth on. Um, but Trent, you were saying in the, in the text, you didn't have a lot of positives. So whatever well, you guys what, want to throw in there. I think Rebs, I'm actually happy you said this, the kind of openness. I don't have a ton to say. I What's it called? After the, what's it called? Mixon fourth down touchdown, I turned it off. I was like, this game's over. Literally took a nap. Because, I mean, in the, if you watch the offense in the first half, it wasn't going anywhere. It just wasn't. And uh, 
I'm happy you said this team has a ton of injuries. I'm not trying to make excuses and stuff like that, but it it like it actually does. It has a ton of injuries and a lot of like crucially good players for this team. Oh yeah. So it's hard for me to be like, oh, they should at least be more competitive. And they've been kind of competitive, I guess. But first off, Jared Goff, not the guy I already talked about it. I actually am like at the point where it's, I might think David Blau is better. I like, want to start Blau. Point. Start Blau. But, like, but I, Seri- I, but seriously. I, I actually uh, think that. That's but not I crazy. I don't care like enough for like it. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. matter either way. <laughs> yeah. You're going to lose either way. So like. It's more of those like fuck it. Let's see David Blau. Like you know, hey, let's see what happens. But um, they're just terrible to watch. Not there's nothing good to watch about this team. And guess what? If I see number twenty five playing safety for another year after this season, I I might have to turn my chips in. Hey, let me let that me just, play let me just throw that Jamar Chase play was flat out embarrassing. I want to throw this out for the people who who don't know. Number 25 is William Harris. He is also bad. William. He was a potential nice guy Went to Boston college, probably a smart guy. He stinks, dude. Not an NFL player. Worst player in the league. I, I, I have four points from the game. Three and a half. Really? I will run through them in probably about two minutes. Here we go. Uh, the offense simply blows. There's nothing new to report there. I want to see Blau play. Collins, I'm glad you brought that up. Half chokingly, I'm half 100% serious. That didn't well, make any sense. I, but... right, it's, I'm like kind of serious. Just golf like is the thing with golf is like if everything around, like everything around him is like right, he can be like, oh, he's not bad. He knows what he's doing. He's not going to make the big mistake. There's nothing good around him. Might as well have like guy like, Blau, who at least can do something with his lives, right? And okay, I so I don't, and everyone's like, "Why are we talking about this?" I don't know why we're talking about this. Yeah, not a whole just, lot to talk about this. Right. Team. Well, thank God for the Pistons and Wings, but uh, I lied. I really only have three takeaways because takeaway number two is that the Lions haven't played a single offensive snap with the lead. I'm not sure if you guys saw that. Unbelievable. Um, they haven't played a single offensive snap this season with the lead because that Packers game they went up seven. And then it was Packers score seven, 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 three, seven. You know what I mean? They never had the lead. Lions, Lions never took a snap with the lead. I know that's kind of a weird, like mental gymnastics mind fuck, but that's what that's what happened. Takeaway number three: Every week, there's a couple guys, a couple young guys who stand out to me because you know, two weeks ago, I I went on my tangent about how there is there is a core of young players, and some of them are hurt right now, and it is what it is. But every week, there's a couple of those guys who stand out. This week it was Julian O'Quara had his first sack as a Lion. Amonra St. Brown had five catches. And Derek Barnes had six tackles and was Pro Football Focus's third best linebacker of week six. So there you go. Those are your three young dudes who performed well against the Cincinnati Bengals. All right. And lastly, I just think you could have something in AJ Parker. I'm not going to act like he's going to be. Like, I just. I love you, Trent. You are the best. Okay. It's the definition Thanks. of grasping at straws. Awesome. Well, it, it, and it might be Rabs, but you know I don't I even guess know it, who that is, dude. Is he? On, is what does he play? Linebacker. That was the greatest thing ever. Okay, he's an undrafted free agent pickup for Brad Holmes. He's played very. He played great in the preseason, which I know no one cares about, and I mentioned him back then. But I'm sure to Rabs that went in one ear out the other. So AJ Parker Ooh. played played pretty well yesterday. I, I I just think he he plays hard, hits hard. 
he could end up being a Quandre Dix type. He's really undersized, but you know what? He he, he plays corner, could transition to safety. Hell, I, I'd, I'd love to give him some run next to Tracy Walker and let Will Harris sit. I Dude, I... Will Harris is like ham sandwich in a roadmap at this point. I, I, so I, bad, I can't, I can't uh, watch that fucking guy. My brother sends me a text every weekend. It's like clockwork at one thirty-five. Will Harris, he stinks this and, and a bunch of other explicits, but like it's every, it's like one thirty-five every Sunday. My brother texts me that. Yeah. Well, and he, and your brother's right. So shout out to Kyle Collins. That is all, yeah. that is all I have on your Detroit lions. Um, we can do the picks on the Rams game unless Rabs has some thoughts, even though he was on the course. Well, I I do I do want to I guess I would say my comments are play into what your comment just was about me being on the course, trunk because I know you're bitter that I don't watch the games. No, no, I'm not bitter. I just I just know that you probably can't comment a ton. So I'm saying well, if you have but, anything to throw in there, go for it. My my biggest thing is Ryan Collins hit the nail on the head. The, the team is borderline unwatchable from a standpoint of on defense. They actually held in there for a second, but the defense is what the defense is. They're going to allow points no matter who they're playing. So from that end, like it, it's, it's tough to watch the same stuff of like the five yard, you know, the five yard buffer. We're going to let you catch the ball. Then we'll come in over the top and try to make a tackle. Like that stuff is, is brutal to me. They still don't get to the quarterback. But, but the offense, a lot of the entertainment value in any team, especially in the sport of football, but across any sport, is the offense. Can you move the ball? Can you score? Can you not score? This team has not scored more than 17 points since week one. And I have seen you – have, you have seen Jared Goff play as, as well as he can play. It's, it's behind you. Like his, his days of, he ain't, he ain't going out and throwing four touchdown passes for 400 yards anytime soon. I hate to break it to you. So your quarterback factually limits your offense. But beside from that, like their offensive line banged up. They can't move the ball. They give DeAndre Swift the ball 13 times. He rushes for 24 yards. And not like the Bengals are some world beater of a defense, but it is, it has come to a, I love the lions. I will always love the lions. I will always care. I will always follow the team. But again, I had the opportunity to play golf. Trent, you asked me if I wanted a free ticket on Sunday. And even if I didn't have the tea time scheduled, I would have told you, Trent, I love you very much. I have no interest in going to the game. Listen, for the record, a waste of time. For the record, we couldn't get anyone to bite on that. So we, we, well, we, we went into Ford Field in our four season tickets with three of us. Yes. And, and I, and I'm sorry that that had to happen. And I, you know, I was saying on Sunday, you know, I would love to go tailgate and you go sit at a bar and you watch red zone or you watch what the Rams are doing or any other team in the league. I just don't have it in me to watch this team. And I'm not being SOL The the roster is terrible. And it was bad before all the injuries. You don't have Rag now. You don't have Quintez Cephas, who's like, you know, I don't even, is Tyrell Williams still on the team? Did he play? Dude, he I was just, I was just talking about that with my brothers. He's in concussion protocol still. I don't so know how like long going to play yeah, this year. I just I, he's clearly have like brain damage. And which, then you have, yeah. I heard Geronimo Allison's name from the Raptors, who I thought was 
cut on the practice squad, off the practice. So, so like he's he's getting reps. So does Jared Goff have all of the weapons he could? No, but like what weapons? And, and what is Jared Goff gonna do? Like if Kenny Galladay was here, you think Kenny Galladay's having an all pro year with Jared Goff? No. So the roster is what the roster is. As far as Dan Campbell is concerned, clearly him crying didn't help the cause because no one showed up to play on Sunday. But to you, you can't even. I made this comment to to my my family group chat. I can't even judge the coach yeah. because the roster is so bad. Yes. What I don't care for is like you don't need to burn timeouts when you're getting killed when the other team's trying to kill the clock. Like that's silly to me, bro. And good for the Bengals for running the bro. ball on fourth down. I love the use of bro there. <laughs> but 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 good for the Bengals for running a play and jamming it down your throat and going, fuck you, dude. The game's been over since the first quarter. You're gonna burn <laughs> your timeouts and keep me here. Like that's that's bullshit. Like, and I get that's like the player in Dan Campbell, like I'm going now that with, with a fight. Dude, the game's over. Pack it up and, and and move on to LA. So that to me was ridiculous. Um, and, and then like you guys are all. I love Dan Campbell because he goes forward on fourth down. No, that was yard points. Like, oh, so we get on the board and I got to listen to Lomas Brown, who I've now nicknamed Slomas Brown. I got to listen hey, to him on the hey, radio. I'm sorry. I won't for have for, it. I won't have it. Rank. Stop. I got to listen to Lomas no. Brown tell me no. that, that <laughs> it, it makes a no. huge difference no. that they see three points on the board versus zero. Like, dude, they're not five. They've scored three no, against a nothing team. No Lomas slander. Aside from Lomas now, I'll move on to Dan Miller. These poor guys on the radio who are just like, Dan Miller can't even call the game because he's just, he's like backpedaling and defending like. Dude, negative, no, negative Dan Miller is great. I love negative Dan Miller. But he's just like, you guys, anyone listening has got to understand like this, this roster is not good. We knew that coming in. And (laughs) and, and, and if they, if they were good, they wouldn't have had this regime change. So so the, 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 the play by play guys have to spend their radio time when they could be calling like first down lions or here's a pass. They're like missing plays. Plays are going on. And all they're saying is you can't beat this team up because the roster is not good. So that to me is also embarrassing. TJ Lang, by the way, adds zero to the broadcast. He, I mean, he's well, a, I'm sure he's a I, nice man. Rabs, 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 what? You think you think we could add more? You think you would? Yeah, what do you mean? No, I'm, There's I'm nothing saying to in add. general. I'm saying There's in general. There's nothing to add. In general, he's just like, he's a guy that's just happy to be collecting a paycheck. He's not good on the radio. Too, he man. knows he's not good. He knows he's <laughs> not good. So that's bad. But but whatever. My eyes, my, fi- my final points. My eyes are on Brad Holmes because at a certain point, you know, I get it's only like week five, week six. So you're not just like, oh, I'm going to start trading these guys and cutting these guys. But you have the work to do, Brad Holmes, because I through six games have nothing to say about Dan Campbell because you're playing with like it's like a made up like team on like Madden 06. Like it's not even a real team. So if Brad Holmes can get some pieces together, like you don't have any wide receivers, like I'm in Ross St. Brown. I thought he was going to be like a special talent. But then again, your quarterback can't throw the ball to anyone. Like he, like TJ, was it TJ Hawkinson? Who I got to hear is 
wide open by himself and the ball is being thrown 30 feet over his head. So your quarterback can't even help anyone out. But my eyes are on Brad Holmes. The roster has to be better. This team is unwatchable. I, I care. I love the Lions, but they're the last winless team in the NFL. They could lose all 16 games because you are not beating the Rams next week. I don't even think you can beat Philly. Yes, I don't at can. all. Yes, you so, can. You can so beat I don't know. Philly. I don't know where your first win comes from. So. Philly. It comes Old from Philly. 17. Let's get it going. It, it comes from Philly when you finally start David Blau because next week Jared Goff will throw five picks to the LA defense. Great. Let's talk about let's talk about next week because I have nothing else to add in this game. Uh, the Lions will travel to Los Angeles. They will take on Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams. I want to throw up in my mouth that I just said that. The spread right now, as we sit here, the the Rams are a fifteen point favorite. The over-under is at 50. I, that, the Rams' this, money line is minus 1,100. I, this is going to be like a snuff film. I, 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 there's borderline I, aversion. I don't watch this game. Come on. What do you – Rev, Collins, you got to watch Stafford. you got to watch – I'm, I'm going to want to blow my brains out. You know what hurts the most is I, Stafford was asked, like, what he feels about – watch or like playing the lions next week. And you know what his comment was? It was like, they're just another opponent in our way of our goal. That was crushing. That's like seeing <laughs> that, that truly. They that's, suck, bro. I don't care. That's yeah, like but seeing, it, hey, it would be different if it was like in Detroit, maybe, maybe he'd give you a little I, more. Yes. When they, when they come to Detroit, I think it's, I, I will, I would pay $5,000 to sit in the stadium for that game when it <laughs> happens. But that comment to me is like in the movies, when you see like the, the, the movies about how, there's like a divorce and then the dad sees the stepdad playing with the kids at the park, like his kids that, that the jingle me, all the way. Yeah. Something like that. That's a pretty, like a sneaky, decent Christmas movie. Um, actually really good Christmas movie, but yeah, that's, that's to me Double like time. what that is. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. Uh, 15 point spread. I, I will start. And this is, this is just me going off of all, all emotions in the world. I am going to say that this game goes, under because the lions won't be able to keep pace at all. Um, th- this to me is not like a, like a Jared Goff. Like I, I wasn't even thinking about the fact that Jared Goff is returning home to play his old team. He might get booed. There's no video for Jared Goff. There's nothing. Yeah, there is, dude. Yeah, there is. Stop. There's no video. There's no cheers. There's no nothing. Jared Goff doesn't have a bone in his body. He knows he's got no chance of winning this game. There's no, like, revenge. I'll show you. There's nothing from this guy. He's walking in embarrassed to be in that stadium, knowing that he he is the, he is the 6X that is walking in to see his new girlfriend's 10 rocket boyfriend like that's what this is doing fine dude that's what this is so i will take i will start here i will take the rams with the points if the spread was 21 i would take them and i will take the under because the rams will win this game 42 to 7 and i hope that matthew stafford is is sitting up in his basement right now doing crunches and when he comes up he sees like the lions logo just to think about all the pain in the shit that they put him through for over a decade. And I hope Matthew Stafford throws for 650 yards, eight touchdowns, and is 42 for 42 through the air with two rushing touchdowns. Rabs I hope, a, Rabs I hope Stafford the Lions, Lions. I know that. I hope the Lions lose this game by 700 points 
to the point where this organization has to fold because it was a criminal act that the Rams did to another team and other human beings in this game. Rams by a million. Rams like Stafford more than the Lions. It's a fact. I might. Well, this season you can get away with that. You can get away with that this season. No, you can't. You can't get away with that ever, but okay. Well, I know, but the team sucks this year, so it's easier to be like, ah, you know, I like Stafford. Uh, Yeah, no, I I get that. I'm just saying. I I, I honestly think Rabs like Stafford or Lions. Well, he probably does. I mean, I don't know. It's fine. I I respect it. I'm determined. I need more. There needs to be more. uh, more of a sample size. Look, my pick, my pick for this game. I'm I this is oh god, 15 so much. It's probably gonna grow too. It's gonna go up. It's gonna go up. So I'm gonna take the Lions cover. Dude, it doesn't matter. That. The Bills, the Bills were like a 21 point favorite against the Texans and they won by 30. Like Dude, I it I know, matter. I understand about the number. <laughs> okay, I the don't numbers, care. Though. I think all right, think, all right, Rain Man. It could be, it could be like a backdoor situation. The Lions aren't gonna hang in. There's not gonna be right. Yeah, they'll they'll put they'll throw out what's the guy? Door. What's the backup? What, what was the backup that came in for golf when he hurt his finger last year? The guy that he was on LinkedIn the, like the week before looking for a job. They'll bring him in, he'll throw three touchdown passes. Yeah, Go okay. Ahead. Yes. No, all I'm saying is like this isn't gonna be a game. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the Correct. Rams. The Rams probably are up like 17 to, to 21, 24 points at like going into the fourth quarter, and then they take their foot off the gas a little bit, and the Lions maybe are beneficiaries of like a, a stupid turnover or like a late – you know, they scored garbage time points in like every game. So I'm just saying like it could be – that's a big number. It's going to go up, but since we do what we do here on this podcast, we pick the line as is on Mondays, I'll take the Lions to cover. As far as the over-under goes, I think it's going to go over. I think Matthew Stafford throws a party, a parade, a fiesta, whatever you want to call it, all over this Lions secondary. That absolutely stinks. So points will be scored. However, Rams get up big, start running the ball, Lions cover back door. That is all. Rams under. I've just been doing this the last couple of weeks, and it's been hitting. Rams under. This Lions offense can't score against anyone. So. Especially not this this team. Yep, twenty four nothing Rams. Okay, well that's that. Those are the picks. Um, without further ado, Trent, we have the trifecta. Um, Trent, you said you were going to work. Actually, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. Do what you have to do. Well, I do mean, we, this this week's trifecta is more or less it's Rabs. There's no questions. Rabs it's just talks. yeah. It's, it's no questions. Rabs just wants to talk about a couple talking points so, so there are okay so in. there are no questions can i introduce this like i was going to explain what was going on what was yeah, going yeah, on you're just literally throwing out random thoughts well i hey, think guys, the, remind me to talk about this on the pod remind yeah, me it's very vague i don't know i don't know if we if we can make this a segment because there's just things that pop into my head i have i don't know if you guys feel the same way but i have like a select handful of people in my life that when things come into my mind, like I just feel the need to text about, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it's just like, oh, like yes. this person will find this interesting or, or this person thinks on the same wavelength of me. Like, you know, so things pop in your, into my mind and I wanted, I wanted to make sure I had them on paper. I think the first night I was texting you guys, I was either working or I was a bit tuned up. And that's why I was sending some of those texts out. And then I think I texted you guys last night, but I was just sitting in bed thinking about stuff. So that's the trifecta. I, Trent said, I reminded Trent, Trent is in charge of my brain from this standpoint of when I text things in the Motown rundown group chat. And I say, remind me to talk about Trent's in charge of making sure that gets done. So Trent, let's start rambling. Let's have some, let's open the floor to discussion. 
Yeah, so there's there's two things you wanted to talk about. So it's no, really I texted not a... you more in the earlier in the week. Go through. No, the, no, I texted okay, you a bunch okay, of Okay, okay, okay. While you're talking, while you're talking, I'll go back. Number one okay. was Cedar Point. You wanted to talk about Cedar Point. Yeah. So I'm not a roller coaster guy, admittedly, and I get like people enjoy that kind of stuff. There was an absurd amount of people that I like follow on Instagram and Snapchat that were at Cedar Point this last weekend. I just don't get it. Like I don't, I don't understand. Of all things you could do in the world, preaching to, to the choir to to make the drive to Sandusky, Ohio, which is literally just like Cedar Point and Kalahari. I'd rather go to Kalahari. Kalahari is cool, but Cedar Point, like the, to go out there and to spend the money and to just walk around all day. And every time I've ever been to Cedar Point, it's been like ninety eight degrees outside, which I get is not the case now. Hollow weekends is probably cool. I appreciate that, but like, what? I don't get it. I just don't get the role. I don't get the allure of the role. Well, I mean, it's it's a niche thing. That's like saying, oh, I don't like going to the the cider mill if you don't like corn mazes and and, and so apple why cider. Why is it a big deal? Why, right? why you do seem I like a Cedar Point guy? Why do I? I'm, have to I'm, I, I haven't been to Cedar Point since I was like five. All I'm saying is I do like roller coasters. And if my friends were like, hey, do you want to go to Cedar Point? I'd be like, fuck yeah, like let's no, go. Uh, that's that wraps. I'm on the same page with you. And this is this kind of just comes from the place where I'd rather just sit on my ass and watch sports all day. Exactly, is, like that's more 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 fun to me. No, for sure. It, then the people would say, "Hey, let's sort of see your point for the day." I'm like, I really got to drive three hours. Yeah, go stand in and line. And it's for an, an all the thing about Cedar Point is for a fast pass. You can't dip your toe in. That's my one problem with it. Like you said, it's a whole day. Oh, and yeah. I'm not. I, I don't it's a whole day. To a whole day of that. It's a whole day, all right. And I, granted, hand up, afraid of heights, don't like roller coasters because of that. So maybe I just don't get it. So that was that was number thing, number one that came to my mind. All right, point number two you wanted to talk about was foam fingers. Foam fingers. I, this came because I think it was I don't Love know what Red Wings game I was at, but I saw two people buying foam fingers. Why? Why? Why would you buy sick. a foam finger? But it's just such a hassle. Like Why, the, dude? Because because you spend money We're on it. We're number one, We're and then you have to you one. have to carry it around like the whole day, and and let it like fans obviously like the players like don't care as it is like the when fans have signs or when fans are like cheering, but they really don't care about your foam finger. Okay, like so, like what's like what's the thought process? Like oh, I'm gonna wear this and it's gonna show how big sick. of a fan I am, and like Dylan Larkin's gonna see me on the edge of this foam finger and go like, listen, wow, listen, I'm gonna play a bit harder. So for wait, this wait, 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 before finger. you jump in, Trent, I need to hear. Rabs's thoughts. So you don't even like the tiger paw one. That was I knew Collins, that was that's where up. I was going. I like I, the claw. The, the tiger claw is so I, awesome. dead to me. Those things are fire. I like the claw, <laughs> but at a certain point, at a certain point, number one, you get too old to have it. And two, it do just I, becomes a ha- like when you're a kid, when you're a kid, when you're a kid and all you're doing is like eating cotton candy and just like screaming, then yeah, you can have the claw because it makes you feel good. But it just like at a certain point when I see like teenagers buying a foam finger it's like we're like why i don't even i got a lot of foam fingers i'm not gonna tell you i don't but it's just i might i actually that's why you're saying i might buy a claw i have one still in my house they're fire dude i like foam fingers i i i think they're cool i think so, there's a, so okay so next time we go to a game together collins i want you to buy a foam finger and wear it the entire time fine deal all right deal i think foam fingers are a cool like memorabilia thing to just have Later around the house. I guess. I just like, I collect my tickets. I got my tickets sitting in a box. Found a Whaler's oh. ticket. Plymouth Whaler's ticket. I think I like Bullfingers just as that Simpsons episode. 
Or the Before, Drake and Josh episodes Drake in all time. Drake and Josh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Point, on, number one. Point number three that you wanted, Rabs, was yep. Adele. You wanted to talk about Adele. Dude, have you guys heard this new Adele song? Yeah, it's fire. Oh, I have not. my God. Now, the thing with Adele is that I know it's been like a hand. I think her last album she released was like 2015. It's been like six years since she last released an album. And this is just the world of what have you done for me lately? And people just love like content, 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 keep putting music out. But this woman legitimately, objectively, and I tweeted this. And the only one that anyone, yeah, you were wrong, by the way, we can discuss that in a second. The, the only ahead. the only person that reacted to my tweet was my cousin Sydney who I love very much thank you for the respect but Adele objectively has a top three voice of all time people okay. forget that top three is fair but didn't you say the best voice ever isn't that in what my, you said in my tweet I think I said top three Whitney okay Houston well, one. Top, uh, Whitney I was just gonna say Whitney Houston is one <laughs> Celine Dion is is up there and you mean I, a, are you a Celine Dion stand Trent Celine Dion <laughs> love celine dion i would also yeah i don't know dude this song though i like i sent it to everyone and and she hasn't put out i think it's about her divorce and she's got a new album coming out in november don't come at me like you're an adele guy and you don't even know it's about her divorce that's what i've read no shit it's about her divorce i just what collins is saying is thanks for the obvious context yeah come on dude I knew this. I knew this song was coming out two weeks ago. I just, I just appreciate what she does oh, for it's this planet. Fantastic! It, 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 it's one of the greatest songs of all time already. It's really good. It's great. Okay, we can move on from that. I love Adele. Easy okay. Me. And 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 another point you made was you wanted to talk about Jackson Mahomes. I fucking hate Jackson Mahomes. I hate him. <laughs> I hate him. I. I'm kind I of a fan. Him. Dude. The fact, first of all, I just think he's like a weirdo and I can't stand it. And I don't know why he gets notoriety. I, I get his brother's Patrick Mahomes. Brother's Patrick Mahomes. If I, right. if I, if that was my little brother, I would beat his ass on a consistent basis. He th- is the epitome of why this world is the way that it is. The fact that he goes online and dances You're and millions so of people watch it <laughs> and he gets paid for it and he has no talent, no skill, man. nothing. And the fact that he was allowed to dance on Sean Taylor's number on the side of the Washington football team's uh, field the other day, and then he has the audacity to say this is we were escorted to inside of a rope chained they area. They were, dude. I want him dead. I want him okay. dead. All right. That's a lot. That's All a right. like, very aggressive. I hate, By the I hate way, Patrick Mahomes. The, the Sean Taylor thing, if you actually followed the Washington Redskins, that's where they placed their VIPs the whole day. They did. That's what they did. So they placed them inside the logo. Yes, there's photos the of a million different that, people. That, that franchise should be disbanded. No, it's they a joke. It's, name. They, they should be disbanded. They literally the reason they retired Sean Taylor's number this week is because all the emails. That's literally what happened. Like Sean Taylor's, I think brother found out this week that they're retiring his jersey. Classless. I hate Jackson Mahomes. What else did I have, Trent? My my laptop's dying. Your last thing final was uh, the Undertaker, dude. He's I. All- I got home from work one night and I was in one of those rabbit holes. Like I couldn't go to sleep because I was so wired Two, 3 a.m. I watched a 30 minute compilation of the undertaker's best WrestleMania entrances. Probably my favorite athlete hours, of all time. Baby. My favorite athlete of all time. I like he, Shawn Michaels is my favorite wrestler. I love, I love the heartbreak kid as well. The undertaker is like, 
you can't even I can't even explain it. I've seen him wrestle live. I've um, I've, I've been to WrestleMania at Ford Field. It it is just the most amazing. He's the, the Royal Rumble at Joe Lewis. He's the greatest. I love the Undertaker. I love I don't, wrestling. It's, I love it's, wrestling. I would, I what I would give, wrestling. what I would give to be like ten years old again, and I thought it was real, and just I John Cena it. shirts, I the Batista care. shirts, the Undertaker. The Undertaker is my favorite athlete of all time. He's also the greatest athlete of all time. People don't put him in. That's that it. You're just not okay. I hate that. I love the Undertaker. I love the I love the Undertaker too, but he's the best. That's all I, I have. Is that it, Trent? That was my points. That's that's all that I got. Yeah, I think that's that's all. Thank okay. you. Maybe that'll be a new thing. Rab's random declaration. Random thing. Random things. I feel that like pop we usually do that at the beginning of the show, though. Yeah. yeah random. Sure. Random thoughts with Rab's. We can't replace like the trifecta. People are going to be pissed about this. But that's it. That's all I got. We're done for today. My laptop is dying. Great show, fellas. Uh, that's all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins. I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, concerns, suggest topics for the show on Twitter at Motown underscore Rundown. We are also on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Do not miss a single episode of the show. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Like it, subscribe, follow, whatever. Leave five stars. Say something nice. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. We're here every single week, folks, whether the Lions win or lose. No matter what, we are here. We will see you next week.